Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the debrief, a weekly QA podcast with your pals in St. Austin. I'm Justin. <laughs> we got Dolores, and ain't nobody like Pastor Matt. He keeps it real. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. I am Stephanie Keene, and we have a guest here today who is filling in for our Justin Party, who is recovering from a tonsillectomy. Bless his soul. Yikes. Well, hey, everybody. Good to be here. Yeah, we're here with Eddie. Eddie, what do you do here at Sandals Church? I am the worship adult lead, I think is the current title. Not exactly sure what that means, but I sing songs and make sure that we have music available across all of our campuses and venues. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Eddie. And mm-hmm. we're also here with the PMB. Yeah, I'm here. And I love Eddie. Eduardo. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> He's not Hispanic. He is half Korean. Although I did get confused this past Sunday at East As. Valley. Uh, a Hispanic family actually approached me and started speaking to me in Spanish. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you're kind of like a cultural chameleon. You can yeah. fit in in multiple yeah. venues on earth. I like yeah. to keep it that So, way. But yeah. technically, he is half Korean. Yeah. yeah. I think Derek, who used to work, he would describe it as racially ambiguous. Mm. So. Oh. I am so not racially ambiguous. No, no, it's pretty, it's pretty clear who you are, where you come from. Yeah, tidy whitey. <laughs> well, what's up, friends? Welcome to the debrief. We are so glad you are here. We are working through our relationship toolkit series still here at Sandals Church. So this week we are talking about friendships. So we've got some really great questions that you guys have sent in on friendships, and I'm excited to get into those. We have two more weeks that we are talking relationships. Up next will be dating, which we're really excited to get into that one. We've got some really great, great questions on there. We've also got an episode coming up about coworkers, which are actually going to be filming uh, up in our offices here at Sandals Church with our staff, which we're really excited about that. So stay wow. tuned for that. Um, if you want to check out our website at debrief.show, you can see all the notes and past episodes on there. We would love to have you check that out. So let's dive on in with some off-topic questions. You guys ready to get started? Yeah, let's roll. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this first off-topic question comes from Suzanne. She says, I attend a small church that has continuously gotten smaller. I serve in my church. I'm in a small group and I love the people. But every Sunday I leave feeling like all I learned is three to five Christian tips. I continue to go to church to serve and for the community, but not really for the Sunday message. Is that the wrong reason to attend church? Wow, that is a really off-topic question. And so, Suzanne, thank you, first of all, for your faithfulness. You know, um, and, you know, churches uh, in America are struggling, and and most are. So this is not just, uh, it was Suzanne, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just Suzanne's experience. This is the experience of most Christians. They're going to churches that are uh, stuck in uh, traditionally uh, methodological kind of programming, and what I mean is their method. So our theology isn't any different, but we have different methods. The way we do things is very, very different, and these churches aren't changing those things. And so because of that, it's just literally getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And churches shrink for various reasons, one of which is people move away. I mean, we live in a culture where people are constantly moving and changing places. And so if you're not adding people, people are automatically going to subtract through death, which that, that's where we're all headed at some point, not to be a downer, or we're moving, we're moving on, we got a promotion, we're moving to another city or town. And so what I would say is, um, that's that's not normal. I would sound the alarm, have a meeting. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of churches preach to Christians, and, and just so you know, that's one of the major criticisms of Sandals is, um, you know, Sandals has been called church light. Um, you know, we've been called uh, weak or all kinds of insults, because what I'm trying to do is make Christianity available to lost people. I'm trying to connect with not Christians. You know, this isn't a, a social club where you come and you hang out and, you know, you kind of, it's not like a Christian castle where we're protected for a few moments on the weekends from the world and its corruption. This is a place where 
we are trying to dynamically change people's lives by introducing them to Jesus. And so that's just the the mode, mode and operanda of our church and, and what we're trying to do. And so it's just very, very different. So I'm glad that you listened to the debrief. You know, what I would say is if God hasn't freed you from your church, I'm guessing you listen to the debrief or you wouldn't be sitting in a question. So continue listening to the debrief. It's a resource that we're providing free, um, you know, for anybody and everybody to grow them and connect them with Jesus and listen to the sermons here. You know, we, we, we put that out. Um, but I would not leave your church until God tells you to leave your church. Until then, I would try to stay in there, sound the alarms, circle the wagons, and let's talk about what we need to do. If more churches started having these conversations, revival would break out in America. What do we need to do? Mm-hmm. But here's the main thing is, if you're if you're at a church that's small and not growing, here's the bottom line is, it can no longer be about you. It has to be about what God wants to do and how he wants to reach new people. And the reality is the reason that most churches don't grow is people don't want new people. They don't want to accomplish the great commission of Jesus Christ. They want it to be us for and no more. And they would never say that, mm-hmm. but Sandals has lost. I mean, very, very few people still attend Sandals. And, and this is where they say, well, the church has changed. Of course it's changed. And so did you. And so is everybody. But what they're saying is we don't like all these new people. We don't like all this change. And, and here's the thing that's amazing is my wife and I have struggled with the change. Because it's very, very different. I meet mm-hmm. people all the time who's like, oh, I've been at Sandals for five years, six years, seven years, and we've never met. I have no idea who they are. And that's just something that you have to embrace. I can't know every single person personally. That's God's job. Mm-hmm. God's job is to know every single person personally. And it's our church's job to connect with a few people personally. That's a way of small groups. And then to serve Jesus with our gifts personally on the weekends. And so, Susanna, I just want to you know lift up a prayer for you and your church. And I hope and pray that God will do something there. There's also this issue. Not every pastor is equally gifted. That's just the bottom line. The beauty of Sandals Church is I don't have all the gifts. My gifts are communication, leadership, and, and vision. And, and that's that's what I have. And because we're a larger church, we have other pastors, other staff members, other ministers, other people that can come alongside and help me to make Sandals Church great. Small churches don't have that. The pastor has to do everything. He has to preach, he has to teach, he has to lead, he has to have the vision, he has to do the counseling, the weddings, the funerals. I mean, I haven't, I think I've done, well, I've done no weddings this year. I did one last year. So I don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are other people, great ministers at our church who sit down, who counsel and get to do all of those things and invest their time um, in people personally. And that's a beautiful thing. So the downside of a a mega church like Sandals is you're not gonna know me personally. The positive side is, the people that you are going to connect with personally are super gifted and able to help you in whatever area that you need. So the larger the church, the more people get to specialize. The smaller the church, more people have to generalize. And so, you know, um, that that causes issues and challenges. So pray for that church, you know, uh, don't leave until God tells you, okay, it's time to leave. Because I think church commitment and church membership are serious things. Mm-hmm. We should be a part of our church. We should be loyal to our church. Um, there have been many, many times over the years that I've wanted to leave Sandals. I mean, there was probably a period of five years where I'm like, God, anywhere, I will take a job selling hot dogs, you know, literally uh, at the Salton Sea. I don't care. I just need to do something different to get away from all this pressure and criticism. But um, God called me into it and God would have to call me out. And so I would just encourage you to stay, hang in there, but you've got to sound the alarm and don't be a critic and threaten your pastor with, hey, I'm going to leave if, mm-hmm. but say, hey, my heart is we need to change. What does that look like? And just so you know, Suzanne, you know, there are churches that have called us and said, you know, what we're doing is, isn't working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is 
how Sandals wants to move forward. You know, building buildings is extraordinarily expensive. I hate fundraising. I hate asking people for extra money, but those are the things we've had to do because Sandals started from nothing. And so we've had to raise literally $10 million in the last six years to build the facilities that we have. The last two uh, church campuses that we've opened have been other churches coming to us who are struggling and said, you know what, what we're doing isn't working. And literally, uh, Amethyst Bible Church in um, uh, just outside of Redlands, California in a town called Mentone, they came to us and they said, hey, could we become a Sandals Church? There was 33 people in that church. Mm-hmm. They said, We said yes. They became a Sandals Church. They handed over their leadership, their structure, their strategy, their vision to us. And literally within a couple of weeks, they were running over 500. Mm-hmm. So together, we were able to do something very, very special. We're getting ready to launch a new campus in Moreno Valley, um, a great a great church, Renewal uh, Christian Church in Moreno Valley. It's been there, I think, 30 years. They've gone through some hard times, some difficult situations, some pastoral transitions, and there have been some great people. And you know, they've said, hey, could we become a sandal site? And so we've moved in there. We're doing all kinds of structural, uh, you know, painting, construction, all kinds of improvements in the campus. We're hiring staff and we're going to launch on Easter. And I'm hoping we'll have over 500 people there, mm-hmm. you know, and they're down in the 60s and 70s in terms of attendance. And so I think it's a great, great model where we can partner together. Um, so if you're in one of those churches, man, begin that conversation and you don't have to do it. And just so you know, we've met with other churches and they said no, and we honored it. We're not here to steal anything or take anything. We want to move with the spirit of God. Uh, and we've had churches that, that voted no, mm-hmm. and that's okay because we want to trust God's spirit and God's movement. And I believe that God speaks through the hearts of his people. And you know, if your structure is voting, then we have to trust God to move through the vote. Mm-hmm. Thank God we don't do that at San Jose Church, but <laughs> you know, many churches do that. And so we have to honor that um, and, and honor the, the structure and the bylaws of the church that you know, that they were incorporated with. So Suzanne, I'll be praying for you. My heart breaks for you, but also know God loves you and he's provided this uh, podcast for you and these sermons for you so that you can grow and be challenged. And I would just say this, you know, um, a lot of people say this to me all the time at Sandals. They say, I felt like you were talking directly at me. I've had friends that feel like I, I'm passive aggressively preaching towards them. <laughs> Here's what I would say. If you haven't been convicted in your church in a while, you're in the wrong church. Like we should all be convicted. Uh, this week's message, competition and relationships, I feel like was for a sermon of one myself. <laughs> I'm a very competitive person and I was thoroughly convicted by my own sermon and the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit was all over me about this issue. And uh, I had somebody post on my um, Twitter account. I don't know if you saw it. I don't get it. Competition, I don't see it. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's a you problem mm-hmm. because competition is a huge problem. And when we make relationships are race, everybody loses. And so um, we are we are way more competitive than we know. And uh, and that is way more destructive than we give it credit for in terms of relationships. So thank you, Suzanne. Great question. Love you, praying for you and praying for your church that God would move, that there would be revival and that the Holy Spirit would just awaken the people there. Yeah. And if you're a pastor or leader of a church and what Pastor Matt was just talking about with joining the Sandals Church uh, family is really piquing your interest and you want to learn more, go to sandalschurch.com slash together. We've set up a website there where you can learn a little bit more about the story of Amethyst Bible Church and how all that came about and learn a little bit more about what it looks like to actually become part of Sandals Church and maybe even just start exploring that process. So just head to sandalschurch.com slash together to get some more information on that. Yeah. And and just so you know, um, just to piggyback on that, we don't hide from that. I mean, we just had a, a year celebration where we met with the elders because they're not elders anymore, because mm-hmm. um, Sandals has a different structure. Um, and so, you know, they, they resigned of their leadership. And we were talking about that, you know, how is that? How hard was that? And, uh, you know, we want to make those people available to talk about that mm-hmm. transition. And they love it. They love it because it was really, really difficult for them and really, really hard for them. And they needed some time 
to rest <laughs> so that now they can jump back and serve and take a look at what that looks like. So uh, that's a great video to check out and hear their story. That's awesome. Well, this next question comes from Jessica. And Jessica asks, says, I tend to, uh, I find the more that I read the Bible or read books about or listen to sermon, the less I actually believe it. I've been a member of my church for over five years and have been listening to Sandal sermons online for the past two plus years. I'm part of a small group, but the more I try to understand why we should believe in God or Jesus, the more I find myself being lost. Mm. I've even tried begging God to give me comfort or peace, but I'm more lost now than ever. What can I do if it feels like I'm losing faith the more I try to get into it? Right. So faith is not something that we can earn. So faith in itself is a miracle. It is the greatest miracle of God. It's something that has to happen. It's why Jesus, when he was talking with, uh, uh, we would call him a pastor, but back then he was a rabbi named Nicodemus, who's like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And Jesus says, unless a man is born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so what needs to happen in your heart is you need to say, God, uh, I, you cannot you cannot connect with God cognitively. You have to connect with God spiritually. And so, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, first of all, let's look at what's going on in your life, what's happening in your life personally, because oftentimes we throw on God what's happening in our lives. And so we say this is a God problem when really it's something that's going on in us. So take a look at yourself, really, really do some thorough introspection and look at yourself. And then I would just ask you this question, are you born again? Have you come to the place where God has awakened your spirit and awakened your soul and changed your life. If that hasn't happened yet, I think you're always going to be on the fence and back and forth. And it's going to be a very, very difficult thing because in reality, what you're doing is you're playing church. And you're right. If you're not a Christian, they're just stories. And this is why very, very smart people at universities all across America read the Bible and are not convicted and they're not changed by it. They're confused by it. They think it's ridiculous. They minimize it. Um, you know, I read these stories and I'm constantly convicted. I'm hammered by it, I'm encouraged, I'm motivated, I am fed because God has awakened his spirit in me through his grace and through his movement. And so that's what I would say is, I would just say to cry out to God, God, I can't do this. And that's that's just the admission of a Christian, I need you to do this in me. Um, and, and just begin to just cry out to God and say, God, I need you to change me. I need you to change my heart because reading the Bible, going to church can become very, very routine. But that has nothing to do with God. God has not moved. Something has happened in your heart that has changed. Something that has happened in your life that is different. God says this, um, that he will be with you, that he will never leave you, that he is faithful to the end. Um, so he, he's there. Um, he's, he's moving in your life. And so I just would encourage you, just cry out to God and say, God, I need to feel your presence. I need to experience the reality of that. And just know that faith is a miracle. It is the greatest miracle in the Bible that God can take a heart of stone, and turn it, according to Ezekiel, to a heart of flesh. And that's what we need is, we need a spiritual rebirth. And we all need that. We All of us need that. And uh, we have to be very, very careful. And it's very, very easy to get disconnected from God. It's very, very easy to move away from God. Our worries, our priorities, our life, our schedules, you know, our emotions, all of those things are working against a vibrant spiritual life. And so, I just want to confess to you, you know, this week I was just sharing with the team. I was on vacation last week. I've come back. It's been really hard for me to re-embrace um, kind of my spiritual rhythms. And that's just one of the things that I've learned about myself is I operate best in structure. I don't operate best outside of structure. And so uh, my wife is so funny. She does not operate in structure at all. Uh, you know, to her, dinner time is a surprise every day. 
for the rest of her life. That's, That's not me. You know, I just, you know, I could eat the same thing. I mean, I just, it just doesn't bother me. And so my kids are like, we eat the same thing. I just, that's just how I am. I, I, you know, Stephanie was my assistant for a couple of years. She knows I do the same thing. I'm, it's not, it's not any different. That's just my life. And that really, really helped me to make sure that I give time for God. And when I get outside of my rhythm, I get outside of my structure. The first thing that goes is my time with God. And, and that is not good for me. I need to connect with God on a regular basis and I need to hear from God. Um, so I'll be praying for you that you can do that. And just know it's time to mix it up. It's time to do something different. Don't just keep doing what you're doing mm. and expect the results to be different. You have to change what you're doing for the results to be different. And so, first of all, you know, don't put all of your relationship with God on you. Say, God, I need you to change my heart. I need you to speak into me because faith is a gift. And Paul says in Ephesians that we're saved by grace through faith. And this faith is not of ourselves lest any man should boast. So we need God to do this. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Jesus Christ is pursuing us. Jesus Christ is working in us. And so pray to God for faith and say, God, God, give me this. And uh, and I believe that he will. So I'll be praying for you. And thank you for the real and honest mm-hmm. uh, question. I think it's, it's where a lot of believers are at. Um, and hopefully people in your small group will sit with you in that mm-hmm. and just know this. What was her name? Did she give her name? Jessica. Jessica. Jessica, just know this, man. The way we feel changes. Yeah. Here, here's the greatest lesson that I've learned in 45 years on earth. How we feel can change. Here's the good news. God does not change. Mm-hmm. How we feel can change. And I, I just would encourage you not to run away, with your, run away from your faith because your feelings have changed. Sit in it, wait in it, and, and know that God is going to speak to you and cause you to learn in this process. And I mean, I just wish that someone would have come alongside me in my 30s when I was really, really struggling mm-hmm. and wanted to run away from God so desperately. Um, I wish that someone would have known, man, that or told me, God is in this, just wait it out. And let me just tell you, your heart can change and you have no idea how radically it can change. And I'm so grateful I didn't make life altering decisions based upon how I was feeling in my mid thirties because I wouldn't be the pastor of Sandals Church and literally thousands of people wouldn't be saved and going to heaven if I had simply made these decisions based upon how I was feeling at the time. So great question, Jessica, I'll be praying for you. Love you, appreciate your honesty. Hang in there. God is not afraid of how you feel. You'd probably be selling hot dogs very successfully right now if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> I have to sell a lot of hot dogs to yeah. put my kids through college. That, that is a lot of hot dogs. All right. So this, uh, we're going to jump in now and we want to switch gears into talking about friendships. Um, we've got a lot of really awesome questions on here just about friendships as we've been walking through our relationship toolkit series. Um, this first question from comes from Jennifer and I love it. She says, I'm a new believer and I often feel like I'm living in two separate worlds. Mm -hmm. I have my non-Christian friendships, which span over 10 years, but they can't believe I'm a Christian because of their stereotypes. In my small group, I get the support and encouragement to grow in my relationship with God, but not the companionships that my other friendships have offered. How do I navigate my non-Christian friendships without losing them? Yeah, that's a great question. So here's what your non-Christian friends have over your Christian friends. And it's only one word, it's longevity. And so... Here's the thing, you're going to have to pursue Christian friends with the same intensity, and it's gonna have to be more intense because Mm -hmm. your childhood friends required very little intentionality. You went to school together, you played on sports together, you lived next door to each other, so you had proximity and time. And that's why those relationships are so meaningful because you were forced to live together and you grew up together through issues. Here's what you need to know uh, about God. He has some new friends for you and some new realities for you. And you need to pursue those deep friendships because here's the tragedy of your relationship with your friends. 
um, they don't have the same intimacy with God that you have. And, and what's sad is they're judgmental. So this is the thing that just kills me is, is non-Christians constantly talk about how judgmental Christians are, which is true. Let's talk about how judgmental non-Christians are. Just because you've met an idiot who claims to be a Christian, look, there's like 3 billion Christians in the world. <laughs> so by definition, every moronic non-believer has met less than one-tenth or one-one-hundredth of one percent of Christians. You have no idea who they are. You have no idea of the depth and breadth of their love and their experience and, and the things that they've done. All you know is what you've heard or experienced, and that is is a small drop in the bucket in terms of what God is doing. And here's one of the things that I've learned. The more I travel, the more I, I meet people all over the world, God is doing amazing things through Christians. And if you're surrounded by Christians who aren't doing amazing things, meet some new Christians because there's incredible people in the world. So yes, some Christians are very, very judgmental. So are non-Christians. So mm -hmm. let's quit throwing you know rocks at each other. Let's everybody drop the stones and just say that. Um, and here's the reality. They know you. So hopefully you're not that way. You're different. Um, and, and, and here's what I say all the time. You know, one, one of the things, and I was abused in the church um, when I was in high school by a pastor, um, not sexually, but physically. And it was really, really awful what happened to me. Um, I was actually assaulted in the church and um, didn't know what to do. Uh, this pastor had really, really, like he's probably bipolar, had some rage issues. Um, was physically very threatening to me. And so I I went on this whole journey of just, I hate God, I don't believe in God. And I'll never forget one day, um, a UPS guy delivered a package to me in my home, or actually my uh, uh, dorm at school, and he was a total jerk. Hmm. Total jerk. What can Brown do for you? Nothing. That's what they could do for you, right? Okay, and that's not indicative. Let me say this. Don't send in your notes if you work for UPS, because I know a lot of our drivers are listening right now, but you know they're jerks that work for UPS. Come on. They're jerks in every profession. Mm -hmm. And so I'll never forget the guy, we got into it verbally, and the guy says, do you want your package or not? And I said, of course, it's my package. And I just felt God speak to me then why have you rejected me because of the people that claim to deliver my message? Mm. And, and that's just what I would say to every person out there. Why are you rejecting the goodness of God because of some moron that is delivering his message? It's your package. <laughs> it's for you. It's God's gift to you. So learn to receive it and move on. And, and that was life-changing for me. Because really what I was doing is I was giving myself an excuse not to repent and get my life right with God. Mm -hmm. And ultimately... That's why people are so critical of Christianity. Um, I mean, they're hypocritical Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, right? They're hypocritical atheists, although I don't really know exactly what that looks like, but there's hypocrites in everything. Mm -hmm. So you, you can't, you can't um, they're hypocritical professors, mathematicians, scientists. You can't dismiss information simply because of the behavior of the person. You have to actually look at the content and evaluate for yourself. And here's the reality, this guy, uh, teacher in Jerusalem named Jesus was crucified. He was buried in a tomb. And think about this. On a Friday, he couldn't convince a small mob to save his life. And then on a Sunday, all of a sudden, thousands of Jews are rallying to his cause and to his name. So they wouldn't defend him or own him when he was living. Mm -hmm. But then he gets crucified. Something happens. And now all these chicken uh, Jewish people now all of a sudden are bold? That's weird, <laughs> right? They won't defend him when he's alive, but now he's dead. Something happened. Mm -hmm. Something cataclysmic, life-altering 
world-changing happened in that moment because you had Jews who officially rejected a living dude all of a sudden are embracing a dead guy. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. He rose. And so uh, the world has never been the same and the world will never be the same because of that. And so we need to embrace that. So pursue, pursue, pursue Christian friendships and relationships. And just know this, it's going to take time and intentionality. When you're young, you don't have to work on it. Mm-hmm. When you're old, you do. And this is why old people, old, older people, <laughs> uh, men don't make friends. 90% of men don't make friends after the age of 21. Yep. Okay. Because we're not in high school anymore. We're not, you know, cutting up, farting in class and making paper airplanes anymore. And now we don't know what to do. We don't know how to make friends. So women are a little better, but they still struggle. And so here's what I say is, you know, I have, I have deep, well, they're not deep anymore. I have one deep friendship from my childhood that I still keep in contact with, but we only talk a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. Most of those friendships have gone to the wayside because now I've been out of those relationships. I've been walking with the Lord for 25 years, and now I have more de- depth with Christian friends than I had with my non-Christian friends. And so yeah. I'm not calling any of my non-Christian friends for advice, help, hope, whatever. I mean, if something tragic happens to me, they might hear about it on Facebook or Instagram, but they're not going to hear it from me. My Christian friends are going to hear it from me because those are my deepest friendships and relationships. So give it time, pursue it, be intentional, um, and just know you're probably more vulnerable with your friends from your youth because they know you Mm -hmm. than you are from your Christian friends because you're afraid they might judge you. So you just got to lay it out there, man, and just say, look, man, here's where I'm at. Here's what I did. And um, I try to confess all the time. Um, I think, you know, Stephanie's pretty close to me in life. You probably hear some things where you're like, oh, I don't know, because Stephanie's <laughs> a super good person. Um, you know, um, you know, you've probably heard me say things where like, ooh, I don't know if you should say that or feel that or think that, but it's important that I'm real and authentic yeah, so that I, I build that. real Christian friendships. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm only going to be as deep with my friends as I am as real with my friends. So mm-hmm. if I want... If I want deep Christian friendships, I have to be real mm-hmm. in Christian friendships, which, yeah. right, in a religion, we're all afraid we're going to be judged. So mm-hmm. get over that, move on. God is the one that's going to judge you. I'm not going to judge you. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I love about the crux of her question, though, about how does she navigate her non-Christian friendships without losing them, like that, I think, hits a chord with me because I had some really, really great friendships in college. I became a Christian, and then we also like all kind of just split apart. And I think a lot of it was like, I was trying to like make friends at church, do all that. And I'm really glad I did because I have some deep friendships, but I have a lot of regret over letting those friendships that were so close go because I'm really the only real Christian that those girls knew or probably still know. And I wish I had been more intentional about maintaining those friendships. So maybe they could have come to know Christ through our relationship. What does it look like to maybe navigate your non-Christian friendships? Maybe those aren't the people you go to for advice, but you still want to have an influence on them. How do you do that? Yeah, I think that's huge. So so part of my journey, uh, you know, I was like Stephanie, I abandoned a lot of my friendships early on, but I needed to. So mm-hmm. Steph, I don't think Stephanie had the same issues that I had um, in terms of really being overly influenced by those friends. I don't know that mm-hmm. if you would say that. So I was overly influenced by them. So I had to get away. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible says bad company corrupts good character. And so here's what usually happens. Uh, non-Christian friendships usually over-influence Christian friendships. And that's just a reality because our flesh wants to do what the world does. The Bible says this, the spirit is willing. Jesus actually said this, the spirit is willing, uh, but the flesh is weak. Mm-hmm. And you just have to know that, man. And you, until you're strong enough spiritually, you, you, you really, really need to have some healthy distance there. And so what I would say is continue to maintain that. But there, But there is a breaking. There is a separating that takes place. Jesus says that he's come to separate, you know, 
uh, fathers and sons, brothers and sisters. That's a reality. When you become a Christian, there is a divide that's there, and it's very, very real. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this week, Amos 3.3, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Yeah. Hmm. So... That's that's a that's a Bible verse that you that you need to read about and, and really study and pray about. And so ultimately, if you don't have the same philosophy, if you don't have the same beliefs, you're going to go separate ways, and that's okay. Here's what's not okay: don't be judgmental, don't be super critical. Let them know that you love them, you're, you're there for them, and that you know if they ever want to know more about Jesus, man, you would you you'll move heaven and earth to talk to them about it. But you know, if it's just a matter of you know, I, I used to pursue my high school friends, you know, I, I tried to, they didn't want to be saved. Yeah. And guess what? I don't want to go, you know, uh, play golf, drink beer and, you know, um, look at girls all day long. I, I just don't want to do that anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And so that's the depth of friendship that they want. I don't want that. So I'm here. They know where I am. We've talked about it. They know my faith. They know my story. We're all good. I mean, I called my 10-year high school reunion the apology tour because I had to go back and just say, I'm so sorry for, you know, being so self-absorbed and about myself um, because I was all about myself and I hurt some people. So I had, and I I made those apologies. I made those amends and I moved on. They know where I am. They know how to reach out to me. And some friends have, I mean, I'm not on Facebook anymore because it just got too taxing. Um, But a lot of friends reached out to me and, um, you know, hey, I'm really glad to hear that that's who you are. And mm-hmm. so it was really, really affirming. So it's okay to let some things go. That's that's part of being a Christian. Christian. Jesus says to the guy who says, hey, I want to follow you, but let me first go back and bury my father. And Jesus says, no, yeah. you have to be willing to release those things. Again, don't be judgmental. Don't be, you know, don't be a jerk, but just know you, you really need to invest in your spiritual life because the church is your family. Don't abandon those people but you're never going to make the friendships you need unless you can do some releasing. So yeah, that's great. Um, We got a question from anonymous man. There's a lot of people named anonymous. It's it's actually Annie Moss. (laughs) She she writes in all the time. Mm -hmm. Anina Moss (laughs) says, how do we navigate friendships with fellow Christians who don't make church or serving a priority in their life anymore? Should Christians treat friendships the same way we treat dating and only be close with people who share our same level of faith? Yeah. So, okay. I, I think that every every Christian relationship needs a Peter relationship, needs a uh, uh, a Paul relationship, it needs a excuse me. Every relationship needs a, a, a P, Paul relationship, a Barnabas relationship, and a Timothy relationship. So I had to get my Bible characters straight. <laughs> so who is Paul? Paul's always a leader, right? Mm-hmm. Paul's Paul's was discipled for a very very little time, and then all of a sudden he becomes the most important character in church history. So everybody needs to have somebody that's spiritually pouring into them. Then you need somebody that comes alongside you. This is called the Barnabas. This is a person that encourages you, that's inspiring you to live your faith. And then everybody needs a Timothy. And a Timothy is a young or immature Christian that's growing in their faith that you're pouring into and you're discipling. And so you have to make a decision. Some, many of our the Christians that are Sandals Church, they're cultural Christians. What does that mean? They're probably not Christians. Mm. So they want to be a good person, which is good. Yeah. You know, they, they want to have a little church, but the most dangerous thing to Christianity is a casual relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the most dangerous thing. I have these friends and my heart breaks for them. And um, it, it, my heart my heart literally breaks for these people. They come to our church a little, you know, a little bit, but, you know, they come to church as long as something more important isn't happening. Mm. And these people are very, very dangerous because that a casual relationship with Christ is so dangerous. 
He wants to be first or nothing in your life. And we need, we need to understand that. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, Jesus is gonna say, come and see, come and see, come and see. And that's super important. But once you discover who Jesus is, the call is come and die. Mm-hmm. Come and die. And, um, you know, it's so sad that, uh, you know, we've lost this conviction of how important our faith is to us. It's not casual. You know, um, last night we had family movie night and uh, I was telling Stephanie, I got outvoted. Like, I did not want to see Hacksaw Ridge. I'm not a big war movie guy. I was in the army seeing young men get blown up. I, that, like, those were some of my friends that, you know, went off and served in Serbia and didn't come back. I've done funerals. Uh, for guys that died in Afghanistan and Iraq. And it just, it just bothers me deeply, but my family wanted to see it. And so I was like, okay, fine. But here's the, here's the, here's the beauty of Hacksaw Ridge. It's the story of a guy with actual conviction. God is a priority and he is pummeled in that movie by fellow Americans because of his faith. But at the end of the day, it is his faith. It is his conviction that ultimately leads him to be glorified on the battlefield. And so um, we need to encourage Christians. We need to admonish one another. Don't be casual. Don't slip away from the intensity of your faith. And, and let me say this, we, we can't all be on fire all the time, mm-hmm. we can't, right? Then that's not real. Then it's forged, it's fake. We're relational people, we're emotional people. That means there's ups and there's downs. But if there's people in your life that are casual and these people, you know, they go to church unless there's a game on. They go to church unless, you know, they're going to the river. They go to church unless, 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 unless. And I would encourage all of you, you need to start doing the math. How many times do I go to church? Hmm. A, a year. And I think you would be shocked at how often God takes a back seat. And then there are things that happen. Kids get sick. That's why we have, you know, you can watch on home or if you're not, you know, in proximity to a campus, you can watch on home. But you need to be cultivating Christian community, meeting friends, inviting them to your house because you shouldn't do church alone. Hmm. Um, inviting people to participate in that, you know, create a sandals pop-up site, do something. We all need to be working towards this. And God has called us, you know, we want you to do three things at Sandals Church. We've made it very, very simple. Come to church on the weekends. We worship together. God wants us to do this, this glorify God. God. We're told not to abandon the meeting together as some in the habit of doing. So 2000 years ago when Hebrews 24, uh, or 2524 was written, that's not right, 12, 24, and 25, sorry, I gotta get my numbers right. When that was written thousands of years ago, people were not gathering. It's always been a problem. There's always been Christians who are like, yeah, I'll go to church if I have time. We need to gather. So we want you to gather on the weekends. We want you to serve on a team. And let me just say this, guys, we need people to start serving, mm-hmm. you know, in three specific areas, parking lot, uh, children's ministry, and ushers. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea how intimidating and scary it is for a person to come to church for the first time? Mm-hmm. And if you can't think about that, then you're not thinking about God. If you don't care about that person, you don't care about God. Get on an usher team, show up 10 minutes early, mm-hmm. help people find a seat, help people figure it out. So we want you to come on the weekends. We want you to serve on a team, serve somewhere. And then finally, we want you to be in fellowship and group with people that really know you. And we want you working through these sermons. If you're in a small group that's constantly doing your own thing, having movie night, and you're not actually talking about the weekend message, that's a problem. Mm. Okay, the purpose of sandals is for you to hear the sermon, be convicted, be challenged, take it to your group and work it out in relationships. This is why Christians don't grow. God has spoken. We believe God speaks primarily through the weekend to our church. No other church, no other book is processing and praying about what you need to hear. At Sandals Church, I'm processing, I'm praying, God, what do the people who hear that go to sandals, what do they need to hear? 
So that's why you need to be there on the weekends. God speaks powerfully. Then you need to work it out in relationships. Mm. And then you need to serve on teams to make it happen. And so Mm -hmm. if you're not doing those things, you need to be convicted. And what needs to change is your schedule, not the church. Yeah. Okay. And if you're not a Christian, you're not there yet. But if you are a Christian and you've get after all God's done for you, this is something you need to do for him. And it's not a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, man, my parents went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. We had Tuesday night visitation. We had Wednesday night <laughs> church. I was at church every day of my life. Mm-hmm. Now you guys can't make one hour a weekend. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Softball is not as important as God. Baseball, the river, you know, your your condo, your beat, not, none of that is, is, is unimportant. Church is important. When my family's on vacation, we find a local house of worship to connect because I don't go on vacation from God. Mm-hmm. I, I can't afford to go on vacation from God because I'm too big of a sinner. And that's the reality. <laughs> I need Jesus in my life. I need to recalibrate. I need to reconnect. And I need to hear that word. So um, be very, very wary of these Christians and just know this, their life, if they continue to remain casual, they are headed for a crisis. Mm. They're, they're, I have seen it. I've been the pastor of this church for 20 years. Stale Christianity is not a safe Christianity. It is going to head one direction and that is bad. So just know that. Just know that. I'm so grateful that my parents growing up stayed in church, had my brother and I in church, and none of my friends who were casual Christians have done well in adult life. They just, Mm -hmm. they haven't. Their marriages are wrecks. Their lives are wrecks because their parents didn't make church a priority. And uh, we're working hard to not make church suck. You need to work hard to make it a priority. So, so um, you know, that's on you. And again, if you listen to the debrief, this is for people who want to go deeper. That's why I'm challenging you. Mm-hmm. Okay, the debrief isn't about a casual relationship with God. This is challenging you to go deeper in your faith. So, you know, if you're offended, check your heart. <laughs> you know, take it to Christ. Uh, he went to the cross for you. I think you can go to church for him. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I would say even for, you know, maybe folks who are relating with Jessica on like feeling your faith is stale, feeling like you're not connecting with God, you're not feeling him, like stepping into the work that God's doing, serving the church, being alongside other people um, is one way to really like ignite your faith. And I think make it real because you're actually stepping into the work that God's already doing. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, praying with people, serving people, counseling people, ministering to people, that's where Jesus is. Jesus Mm -hmm. is in the ministry. He's not in the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's in the ministry. He's doing the work. So if we want to connect with Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, where is Jesus? Mm-hmm. He's in his church. He's serving his church, right? He's gathered with the church. So if I want Jesus, I want to be in those three places. I'm going to be with him on the weekend with the gathered church. He says, wherever two or more are present in my name. And that's the key, not playing pool, watching you know, a, a, an NFL football game. It's in my name. What is the purpose of the event with which you gather? Is it Jesus? If it is, he's there. If it's not, you're on your own. Good luck. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's serving. Jesus, Mark 10, 45, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. He says this to his disciples, the greatest among you must become a servant. If you're not serving, you're not listening to Jesus. And I get it. Your life is busy. Unbusy your life. (laughs) Okay. I mean, who, who's who's the knucklehead that's in charge? My friend said I need to quit saying stupid and moron because this kid listens to debrief. So we'll try knucklehead. This yeah, time. <laughs> who's the knucklehead that's in control of your calendar? Cut back. Don't cut out God. Cut out things. Because mm-hmm. think about what happens for all eternity if you cut out God. What 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 does that look like on Judgment Day? Yeah. Depart from me. I never knew you. 
So, man, this this is not a game. This is serious stuff. And mm-hmm. here's the sad thing about human beings. You know, we take our health and our bodies way too lightly until we get sick. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people that take their spiritual health way too lightly until they stand before the one who made them. And it's too late. Yeah. It is too late. And so get it right now. Get serious about God now. He's serious about you. He pursues you. He serves you. He loves you. Mm -hmm. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. So what ministry in the church is is, is too low for you? None of them. Okay, have you seen people's feet? (laughs) Nope. It's gross. No, thanks. I was going to start that ministry. I'm not a foot guy. (laughs) It's interesting because a lot of these questions center about like, what can I do to grow in my relationship? I'm hearing a lot of I and my statements. Mm -hmm. And it seems like there's this big gap of, where we can actually see Jesus and how we serve others and in the ways that we serve others. And um, that I think is just such a huge shift of not getting into these relationships to see what I can gain from it, but how I can understand God with more depth and how I can love him through this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jesus did not create the kingdom of me. Yeah. It's the kingdom of we. And the only way you shift from the kingdom of me to kingdom of, of we to the kingdom of we is think, just think about the letter M. How does it become a W? It must be flipped upside down. That's what God has to do to your life. Mm. And if your life is not flipped upside down, so here's here's where so, why so many people are casual. They want to add Jesus to their pre-existing life. Yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. This is why, um, you know, you know, Stephanie's getting married. She can't add Tyler to her life. Mm-hmm. She has to change her life. Mm-hmm. Same thing with kids. And this is why parents have issues when, you know, oh, we can't do the same things we used to. Well, you're not the same people you used to. You have <laughs> little people that are running around and they're terrorists. Yeah. Okay, you need to deal with that. We need to flip our life upside down for Jesus because Jesus, according to Philippians chapter two, probably the most important chapter in the Bible in understanding Jesus. And, and what it is, is it's, it's, it's an ancient uh, song. Like, so we, we sing praise songs, you lead some praise worship. That's what Philippians two is. It's a song that then became scripture. So Christians would sing this. And what it talks about is, Jesus emptying himself of everything, taking on the form of a slave, dying on a cross, all of that for us. Mm -hmm. So what do we then need to do? We got to flip our lives upside down for him because he flipped everything that he was for us. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always think about how horrified the angels must have been when they saw God limit himself. Not to a human being. He didn't come down as Hercules, right? He came down as a baby born in a cave. Mm-hmm. The angels must have been, oh my God, yeah. what is this? Mm-hmm. Stuff. Yeah. Sheesh. So. It's mm, so good. All right. Kind of switching gears here. Um, this is a question that I get all the time or just comes up in conversation. I think especially, um, you know, I was doing young, college and young adult ministry. <laughs> um, this comes up all the time when we'll hear people say like, you know, is it okay if your closest friend or maybe most of your friends are people of the opposite sex? So I've always said like, oh yeah, my best friend's like, you know, this dude, or I'm mostly just friends with guys. Like I've heard girls say that all the time. And I think vice versa too. Is that okay? Is that what we're called to? Yeah, no. Um, (laughs) I just had to have this conversation with one of my siblings, not siblings, children. Siblings would be my brother. They have siblings. Like brother, sister. Yeah, one of my kids. So um, it doesn't work that way because sooner or later, right? Intimacy creates attraction. So what, what is, my best friend's a guy. Okay, that's intimacy. So you're face to face. Sooner or later, one or both will have feelings. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because you like this person. You're spending time with this person. Uh, and usually it's the girl because uh, how does how do how do most women experience intimacy through emotional connection? Mm-hmm. And so if your your best friend's a guy and you have all of this emotional connection with him, how are you not going to become attracted to him when when intimacy, emotional intimacy is the private primary driver in relationship? Uh, and let me just say this: when this guy meets whatever girl he falls in love with, you're getting dropped. So, so just know that's happening. Now, having said that, I think that it's important that singles be friends in groups with men and women because mm-hmm. you need to understand each other. You need to talk about what's going on. You need to hear that. I mean, women need to hear the hearts of what's happening. Men, you know, male struggles with porn, with sex, with anger, all of this. Women need to understand that because pro- the primary reason that marriage is so bad is when a woman thinks she's marrying a woman and a man thinks he's marrying a man. And I, they're not. No, <laughs> they're, they're not. I have to tell my wife all the time. So when my son, my son now is playing sports and his coaches are always men. My wife's like, the coach is so angry. I'm like, that's a man. <laughs> that's how men talk. Cause she, she was raised with her sister mm-hmm. and her dad wasn't a super volatile, outspoken, loud guy. That's just not who he was. I'm like, babe, he's not angry. That's called communication. <laughs> that's how men communicate. And you know, um, that, that's just the reality. And, and so my wife would have been so helped by being in relationships with guys in a group where they were talking about, look, this is how guys talk. This is how guys deal with issues. This, this is how it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and vice versa. I was not raised with girls. I was totally clueless, <laughs> absolutely emotionally unavailable, didn't know how to listen, wasn't sensitive. You know, I was like just tone deaf to my wife's feelings because I didn't have friendships with girls who would speak truth to me. Hey, I feel like you're all about yourself. Hey, I feel like, you know, you're self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really needed girlfriends in my life that spoke truth to me. And I have girlfriends in my life now. Um, we were just on vacation. Um, and when I say girlfriends, I don't mean like dating. <laughs> like I mean like female, yeah. I mean like female <laughs> friends. And we're in the car and we're, we're going someplace. And one of my female friends at church, she just called me on my bull crab. And she's like, don't you feel like you're violating the vision of Sandals Church? And I was like, totally like, no. <laughs> so then the next morning I got up, you know, and I'm like, okay, you were right. I was wrong. But she, as a woman, could speak into my life and she could see something. She could see, you know, some hypocrisy in my life. And I needed to hear that from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just learned I need, I need women speaking into my life. So my wife says, oh, I like this book, you know, and I'm a little behind right now. So I constantly am trying to read uh, the women that she's reading because women see things differently and half of my church is women. Mm-hmm. And so I need to, I need to understand them at a deeper, more intimate level so that I can preach and connect with them. Um, and so I'm constantly trying to read. I'm like, why do you like this? Why did this speak to you? Cause it doesn't speak to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I want a guy to get up there and punch me in the gut and we're going to move on and, you know, serve Jesus. Okay. <laughs> you punch my wife in the gut. She's calling the cops and you're going to jail. Mm-hmm. And I'm like thanking you. She's like arresting you. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. And so we need that. You know, um, we had Mark Driscoll on, and I think he so wisely says, men are like thermoses and women are like fine wine glasses. You have to handle them differently. You can drop a thermos, you, you drop a wine glass, there's damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe me, early on, I, I dropped a lot. So I think you need to have friends, but in terms of being best friends, you need to be upfront real quick about the possibility of dating or not dating um, and, and let me just say this. Um, I think it's really, really important that you marry a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
I, my wife and I, um, I don't know that I would use the, the term best friends because I think that's loaded, but we are really good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we really, really appreciate each other. We enjoy hanging out. We enjoy spending time together. One of my favorite things to do now is when we come home, we go and we walk the dog together. Mm. And the dog is in heaven and we're talking and communicating. And, um, you know, guys, you're going to spend a whole lot more time talking to your wife than you are having sex with your wife. It's not even close or comparable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those songs about all night long, that's not how it works. So um, <laughs> it's just not. That would be a great, great podcast one time just to talk yeah. about the reality of ne- sex. Next week, maybe. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so just just know you need to marry someone that you really, really enjoy spending time with. Yeah. Um, and not just are attracted to you because we all get ugly eventually. So what? It happens, man. That's Look at be, my face. That'll be the podcast after the. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was at the dermatologist week. I had to get some moles burned off, and my wife was like, "Yep, we're at that stage." Like, yeah, sweet. we are. Oh, sweet, when we have to get our woman. faces burned. Oh, when you have to have the face band aids, is when you know. <laughs> oh, dude, it's time. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's great. I is old. So yeah, make friends in groups. Have real conversations in groups. Just know if you if you single off and two individuals, okay, one, one of you is getting attracted, somebody's heart's getting broken, yeah. and you're like, no, it's not. You're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. Fake. Somebody. I, yeah. I feel like I had many friendships like all through college and stuff like, no, no, we're just friends. We're just friends. Mm. No. it was it, Liars. Yeah, there were feelings. Yeah, it's interesting. As I read that question, um, the word okay popped up to me. Like, is it okay? I think we live in that realm of what's what's not bad. Instead mm-hmm. of hey, what's what's wise or what's good? Mm. So oh, we just sort okay. of yeah live in this gray instead of pursue <laughs> like why not put as much energy and effort into pursuing good things in life as opposed to just driving up to that line and staying there of like yeah. Yeah, it's all right it's whatever and so switching the question of is it wise if your closest friends are of the opposite sex I think that changes that whole dynamic completely yeah oh. and, and guys. You need guy friends because yeah. you stink at making guy friends. So you really, really need to pursue that. Um, you know, so so just know, you know, that's great that this girl wants to hang out with you, but it's probably because she likes you, <laughs> even if she's lying mm-hmm. so, she to herself, yeah. mm-hmm. i.e. Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> just the air got thick right now. I know. All right, next question. Um, this is a good one. I actually would love to know the answer. When is it time to just let a friendship go? Yeah. Um, man, I, I think we need to learn to do this, uh, more quickly. Yep. Um, you know, I, friends, a, a real friendship takes two. So it, it takes two people. And so what I see a lot of time is you have one person really working hard for the friendship and one's not, you don't have a friendship. Yeah. You know, a friendship is somebody who, you know, you're both working towards each other. Now, having said this, we're all broken. We, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. Um, I have had to, uh, I have a good friend uh, whose name is Matt also, and um, he challenges me all the time because he's more intentional about our friendship. Hmm. He's better at it. He connects, you know, and, and part of that's just um, the, the busy nature of my job and the relational intensity of my job. Mm-hmm. So he does not have a job. He's, he does computer stuff. He does not have a job where all day long he is working intimately in relationships. He's typing on a computer. Yeah. So he has much more capacity at the end of the day to talk with people than I do. Now, having said that, I care about him, love him, and you know, I I need to connect with him. So he's challenged me repeatedly on, hey, you know, and 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 I just had to say, okay. And here's what I've learned, and I want everybody to listen very carefully. Um, you know, Tammy and I, you say, oh my gosh, so many people know you. Yeah, we have a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. We have very very few friends. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned is I have to invest in those friendships. I have to cherish those friendships, and I have to make time for those friendships. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, we just went out to dinner this last week with uh, people that we've been friends with since college. We've had good times. We've had bad times. We've had ugly times. We've had non-speaking times. Mm. We've had, we've, we've been through a lot. We've been single friends together. We've been married friends together. We've been parent friends together. And I just really told him, I said, I just really appreciate your loyalty and your longevity. Mm. Um, because, you know, Tammy and I have changed. We, we did get more attention and they're those friends that are okay. Yeah. They're not, they're not competing with me for attention and notoriety. They're just okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just am really, really thankful. And they're ordinary, normal friends. Yeah. Um, you know, other celebrity types, those are hard to deal with. I, we need normal, ordinary people in our lives. And I'm just so thankful and grateful for that. And I hope that we never lose that. And so I just said, thanks very much. And we were celebrating birthdays and catching up and we've had some, you know, they've had some loss this last year. So I was just super, super thankful. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say is, um, again, how can two lock? To, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? So we've lost friends because they left Sandals Church. Mm. Well, shocker, right? <laughs> we're we're not along, and they say, "Well, it's not personal." Well, okay, I'm the pastor of the church. How's this not it's personal? Bit, a little personal. Yeah, it's a little personal. Mm-hmm. They're like, "It's not personal," but we hate the preaching. Mm, that feels personal. <laughs> um, so you know, we, you, you can't walk together unless you be agreed. And so my life vision is to build Sandals Church and to. Uh, live a vision of being real with myself, God, and others. And if people share that, we can walk together. And so if somebody is no longer interested, if somebody wants to go their own way, um, you know, and, man, you know, these things are, you know, it's just super important. I don't want to sit around and get drunk. Like, that's that's not my heart. I don't like that. It's it's not what I want to be about. My wife grew up in uh, uh, an alcoholic home. It's just not my thing. If that's your thing, you know, I, I don't want the friendship to be about sports. I, I used to have friends that were all about sports. Mm-hmm. I want I want my friendships to be about God, about family, about friendships, and about serving Jesus. And that's really what I build my intimate friendships around. And so, if people aren't about that, then you've you're no longer um, in the friend category. And so, for me, uh, you know, we were we had Mark Driscoll out last week. It was really really helpful, and I wish someone would have told me this 20 years ago. He said there are three categories of friendships. Yeah. There's professional. So we work together and you'll find that, you know, you work with people, you think you're friends. No, you just have to go to the same place 40 hours a week. So that's professional. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's, you know, pastoral or ministry friendships. These are people that you invest in, you minister to, and then there's personal friendships. So there's, for me, there's there's a professional, pastoral, and personal. And you need to be very, very careful that you don't confuse those lines. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people think, oh, I have tons of friends. No, you have professional relationships. And when you quit making money for them or they're making money for you, there's, there's no friendship there. Like, so when I got saved uh, in college, a lot of my friendships, you know, we'd smoke dope together. That that was the the thing that brought us all together. So when I quit smoking dope, yeah. uh, we don't have anything in common anymore. Mm-hmm. There's, there's literally no reason for us to hang out. Um, and that was really hard for me. We weren't friends. Mm-hmm. We had a, a commonality. Um, and, and our ministry was, was pot, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets stoned and we all feel better. So that was the ministry. So um, not that marijuana is ministry. No. I'm just saying. Um, so as Christians, right, is this a professional relationship? Do I work with this person? Do I have to serve alongside this person? Is this ministry? And you need to be really, really careful about this because ministry people are using you, right? Mm-hmm. To be used by God, you have to be used by people. That's just the way that works. Mm-hmm. So don't think they're your friend. And I have people all the time that come to me for advice, for counsel, for whatever. We're not friends. Nice. <laughs> We're not friends. We are, uh, 
ministry. I'm ministering to you. And then I have friends and friendships are give and take relationships where they pour into me and I pour into them. And it, it goes both ways. That's a friendship. And for a lot of you out there, you're like, I don't have any friends. You're probably super needy and you, ner- you need to learn to give. So people always tell me, I can't make friends. I don't know what's wrong with everybody else. Okay. So there's one of two solutions here. One, it's the entire world's fault. Or two, maybe it's something that you're doing. So, you know, and I, I man, there was a gal in our church. She doesn't go here in, anymore years and years ago, but she just said, why don't guys want to date me? I said, you want the real answer? No. And she, you know what she said? She said, yes. She said, I know I'm doing something wrong and no one will be honest with me. Uh-huh. And I would say the same thing about friendships. Why, why don't people want to hang out with me? Why can't I build friendships? You need somebody to be very, very lovingly real with you and you need to listen, mm. right? Because here's what I do. If, if Eddie, if you ask me for advice two times and you don't listen, guess what, buddy? I'm all done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Why am I going to waste my time? Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, the, the Bible says the person who tries to change the fool is the fool, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So... It's true. All right. So this last set of questions comes from Samantha and she sent in some really good ones. She said, first off, she says, I hear so much talk about self-love and taking care of yourself and getting negative people out of your life. But I keep wondering if Jesus would be a friend to those toxic people. And if so, what would that look like? How close would he get to them? Yeah. Okay. I don't know that Jesus was friends with toxic people. He was friends with sinners, Mm -hmm. but the sinners that came to him were actually pretty good people, pretty loving people. Zacchaeus has him over to his house the prostitute washes Jesus's feet. So they, they were they were in sinful circumstances, but they weren't toxic people. Actually, in the Bible, the toxic people are Christians, yeah. mm-hmm. or not Christians, but professional Jewish people. Mm-hmm. They're they're the, and and so nowadays, right? Those can be priests and pastors and Christians, and they're just they're just absolutely toxic. Um, the only thing that can help a toxic person is God. God's the only person that can change a human heart, and th- and that's just what you have to realize is what you have to make sure is that their toxicity and their poison is not infecting you because yeah. that's what it does. And you have to pull back. And by the way, Jesus pulled back. So he, so Jesus, uh, right, he was professional. He, he was the savior of the world. He saved all those who had put, put his faith in him. He ministered to the people who came to him. And then he was friends with 12 guys and specifically really close with three, Peter, James, and John. Mm-hmm. So, Right, that's Jesus. So he he didn't end. Not only that, but sometimes he's just like, I gotta get away, and he yeah. gets away by himself. Mm-hmm. And they're like, constantly. That's my favorite part of the, the Gospels is we lost Jesus again. <laughs> you know, how do you lose Jesus, man? I don't know. That guy's sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's constantly headed out for the desert to get alone and and to make sure. So, um, I think the question specifically was, Jesus dealt with toxic people, yeah. right? Well, friend. she hears a lot about getting negative people out of your life and like staying away from them, but how does it look like to be like Jesus and still befriend people who are maybe negative? Yeah, Jesus or... confronted negative people. Mm-hmm. He didn't hang out with them. He challenged them. He spoke truth to them. Yeah. That's what he did. He confronted that, which is why this week in the message, Paul says, confront a divisive person. So what is a divisive person? A divisive person is a negative, critical person. Paul says, warn them once, then warn them twice. Then he says, have nothing to do with them. Mm. Then he says, another time, he says, do not let anything divide you. Mm. Constant, and by the way, how have we done on Christianity? <laughs> Horrible. That's why there's thousands of denominations because you have all these negative people mm. running around claiming you know, to be right. And it's just so tragically 
sad. And so not only are we not saving souls, we're shooting each other. That's, yeah. that's the army of God. <laughs> so um, we, we have to make sure that we, we, we are protecting ourselves from toxic people. And, and man, you, you, Stephanie, you were my assistant. You see the same people every week come up to me and just suck my soul. <laughs> Every single week. Oh, those Pastor. Harry Potter? Those oh, guys, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. What were those things? Relational Dementors. Dementors, oh. man. Yeah. And they just literally just mm. suck your soul. And it's like, you don't want to change. Mm. You just, you just literally, and, and what those people need, go get some help. Mm-hmm. You know, go get help. And I had a guy this weekend who was like, oh my gosh, and this is going on. I was like, I'm not dealing with you. I was like, you need to go. Uh, we have this thing called deep healing at Sandals, which, you know, if you're struggling with really, really deep issues, including demonic issues, I was like, you need to make an appointment. I'm not dealing with this now in the lobby. Yeah. Cause this guy constantly, man, it's mm-hmm. every single week. It's like, I mean, it's how, how do you, how do you crash in a plane, a boat and a car every single week? Mm. Maybe you need to stop driving, you know, change your life. And so, but people don't want to take responsibility for that. You cannot change the world. You can only change yourself. Yeah. But here's the good news. By changing yourself, you have changed the world. You've mm-hmm. made a difference. Mm-hmm. You're no longer an idiot. And the less idiots, the better. Yeah. Sorry for the kids no, that are listening. It's appropriate. I know. It's appropriate. I know. It's but I say idiot too much. I love that word. Yeah. I know. I do. It's just like Sometimes ap- it's appropriate. Yeah. Did I ever tell you the time about Madison's prayer request? No. Yeah. Madison, was when she was in first grade, turned in a prayer request to Pipeline that her dad would quit using the S word. <gasps> mm. I, I might have fielded <laughs> and that And she one, turned it yeah. in at church? At church. Yeah. <laughs> and they actually prayed in her little small group in Pipeline oh. for me that I would quit using the S word. Did you quit using that S word? Well, the S word was shut up. Yeah. Oh. Because she was not supposed to say it, but I used it. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So we had literally our, our children's staff praying for their pastor that he would stop using the S word. Yeah. We're still praying, dude. We still have that posted on the yeah. wall. So yeah. So we keep that one around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Someday. <laughs> My little perfectionist judging her pastoral dad. <laughs> It's a gifting. It's a gifting. Yeah, I think she and I have a lot of common in that area. Mm, I feel I feel the judgment. <laughs> All right. You want to bring our last question, Eddie? All wow, right. Last question. This last is it. Question. Okay. It. Yes. I'm nervous. Big things planned here. So uh, I've come to believe that relationships are important and isolation is bad. Good job. Well, welcome to reality. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been praying to have a best friend for a long time, especially as a new mom who's trying to balance life and marriage. I've made a lot of effort, but it seems as though the doors keep closing. Could it be God's will for me to not have a close friend right now? Yeah. Okay. No, God's will is for you to have a close friend. I think best friends are demonic. (laughs) I just do. I hate that word. I hate those words because what best friend does is it isolates. Mm -hmm. What it says is it's just you and me. And I don't see that in scripture. I don't see anywhere in scripture where it's just you and me and we push everybody else out. I think they're dysfunctional. I think that they are uh, self-centered and I think they're very, very dangerous. And so my wife teases me all the time. She's like, you're my best friend. I'm like, don't put that voodoo on me. (laughs) So I tell her, don't put that on me, man. Because I think it is really, it puts too much pressure on a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, friends don't get married. So why do we have this title? I'm just like, what what, what is the deal? Um, I told my wife, I'm your husband. You know, I'm your friend. You know, I'm your lover. Don't call me the best friend. I was like, don't put that voodoo on me because I think it sets you up for failure. Mm -hmm. Let Jesus be your best friend. Because he can handle the depths of your needs. No one person can love you and befriend you the way that you need. Let Jesus do that. Let Jesus fill that gap for intensity. I think you need friends. I think you need good friends. I think you need intimate friends. I think you need real friends. I think everyone needs lots of friends. Because here's what best friends become. Dysfunctional. 
absolutely dysfunctional. And I don't think that they're real with each other because they're afraid of losing this super special relationship that's bizarre and, and demonic and weird. And I, I just, the word best friend just freaks me out because it, as soon as I've seen that language pop up, that usually means it's over. Mm-hmm. Have good friends and have many of them. Anybody who needs you and only you is a dangerous person. You've got to learn to share yourself because guess what happens? That best friend is going to get competitive, going to get jealous, going to feel intimidated by other people that are getting, you know, and it just brings out the very worst in us. And so what I would say is I'm going to have a few close friends and I love them all for different reasons. And here's what I've learned. All of my close friends bring out something very, very different in me mm-hmm. and, and teach me something very, very different about myself. If I only had one exclusive person that I was pouring into, I'm going to miss out on the, on the beauty of God and me because I'm not discovering who I am. And so that's why you need to be in small group because others will bring things out in yourself that you didn't see. Mm-hmm. Um, C.S. Lewis has a great book called uh, The Four Loves. And he, and he talks about, uh, if you don't know who C.S. Lewis is, you need to read him. Read, if you can, you know, his language is complex and, and, and it's old. You know, he, I mean, he wrote from the 40s through the 60s and started out an atheist, became the greatest mind of Christianity in the 20th century, genius. But he talked about when one of his friends died that a part of him died. Mm. But he had this group of friends, which Mm. I think is healthy, a group of friends, and they spoke into one another's life and they rallied and then they went out and did ministry. And so um, I think friendships are great, but you can't just be us four and no more. So if you're not gathering to serve, and and let me just say this, some of you guys have been in small groups for years. um, And and one of my friends, (laughs) my, my last small group, she said, you always pick on our formal small group. You've been picking on us a lot. So sorry, here it goes again. <laughs> but what we, what I felt like we had is I felt like we became dysfunctional because we became all about each other and not ministry. So it, mm. and so I, I think that friendships need to be a rallying point for encouragement, safety, and, and, and self-ministry. Mm-hmm. But if you're not then going out and pouring, I mean, why did Jesus pour into the 12 and to Peter, James, and John? So that they could go out. Yeah so that they could do ministry. So even a group of friends can become so myopic, you know, that's self-focused, mm-hmm. that that they lose sight of their calling. And so Jesus is not just about you. He's about his kingdom. It's the kingdom of we, not the kingdom of me. And so by the way, guess who makes the best friends? Selfless people. Selfish people don't make great <laughs> friends. And selfless people make great friends because they can give and take. And so that's what I'm looking for in friendships. Is this someone that can give to me and I can give back to them? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I, I think, man, so instead of being super negative and sad that you don't have a friend, be super thankful when you do get them. And I think friendships come in seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I've had great friends and, uh, for whatever reason, you know, it was a season and we parted company. Um, you know, I mean, that's the truth, even with marriage, you know, I hope that Tammy and I don't die young, but if one of us dies young, um, I don't know that would be young. It'd be midlife now. But right, it, it's a season. Mm-hmm. And so I want to enjoy it. I, I, I want to get everything out of it. Just like with my kids, my kids are a season. I'm trying to enjoy it. You know, so many parents are so sad. Oh, my kids are growing up. What's a new season? Yeah. You know, I, I, I loved them when they were babies and when they were toddlers and then elementary school, then even puberty has some of its, you know, teenagers have some, some good things, Quirky way, but yeah. I'm really enjoying my, my daughters as they enter into their twenties, as they're, mm-hmm. they're launching into adulthood. I've really learned to appreciate that stage, that season. And so 
just know that God is doing all of us in our lives to prepare us for eternity. That's what we're getting ready for. And in eternity, we're going to have lots of friends forever. It's going to be great. Mm. Yeah. And just a lot of sympathy as a a family with three young kids. We had three babies in three years. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's a lot (laughs) that I understand in this of just a lot of of things changing. Um, Just to like understand that perhaps simplifying expectations might be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Do you have good friends in your life? And like you said, to be thankful for that, cultivate those relationships to really drop the idea of having like a best, best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, But just to trust that as things are shifting and changing in your home, that in your life, God's bringing out good things out of this time as well. And to appreciate that. And just know that when you have kids, like you guys did, man, you know, I mean, you, you do, you become trapped in your house and your other friends who don't, who are single, who are married without kids or don't, or who don't have little kids don't yeah. get it and they can't get it. Um, I forget how difficult those times were. You know, my wife didn't sleep through the night for 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, and I looked right at Stephanie when I said that coming <laughs> to a theater near you, it's just, it's just <laughs> not very, while, not it's just near. very, very different, right? It's a very, very different time. Uh, and I've seen people in our church, you know, they get twins or triplets. And oh, I'm yeah. like, oh God, mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. imagine what that is like. And so just know it's a season, mm-hmm. but you're going to miss it when it's gone. So invest in those little people. And I know they're crazy, but enjoy it because when they're happy, they're super happy. And when they're sad, they're insane. Enjoy both. And um, because it's going to be gone, you're going to blink and it's going to be gone. And they're so cute and they're so sweet. And those times are, are so fun. So uh, Dex and I went to Minnesota a couple years ago and he's like, oh, I got to get something for my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, so he wanted to go to Disney store. And I'm like, sure, whatever. We walk into Disney and I start bawling. Like uh. I need like counseling. <laughs> and, he, and Dex is like, Dex is our creative director. He's like, what's wrong? He's like, did somebody die? I'm like, I have not been in a Disney store in a decade. Mm. And I used to love going in there to buy the little princess dresses and my my daughters don't want princess dresses anymore. You know, those days are gone. and Expensive now. Um, I wish that I would have enjoyed it more. I mm-hmm. wish that I would have been more present. And yeah, it was really, really tough. But just embrace it, man. Embrace it, enjoy it, love it, because it's going to be gone. And uh, God's going to grow something in you through the suffering and the yeah. difficulty. And part of the loss of friendships during that time is just the bonding with your family, which yeah. is important. Mm-hmm. So. Well, all right, folks, that wraps up our episode on friendships. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in questions. If you want to get more information about this show, including you know links to some of the verses that Pastor Matt talked about or just a little summary of all the topics that we talked about, those are going to be up on our show notes at debrief.show slash 58, where you can get some more information about this episode. We would also love if you would follow us on social media. We are the at Debrief Show on Instagram, on Facebook, and Twitter. You can see some more stuff about the show. You can send us questions on Facebook. We would love to get those. And we'll be posting some stuff about some really exciting upcoming stuff we have coming on our social media channel. So check those out. And if you are listening to this show and you love what we're doing here, we would love for you to consider supporting Sandals Church and the work that we're doing here on The Debrief. You can do that by texting Give Debrief to 951-900-4120. We've had a couple of folks calling in the office or looking on the website. The only way that we have right now for you to give specifically to The Debrief is by texting this number. So just text Give Debrief to 951-900-4120. It'll send you back some prompts. It'll walk you right through. It's so, so, so easy to give that way. We would love to have you support the show, especially if you don't attend Sandals Church. We would love for you to be a part of that, even if you just give a dollar an episode. 
that adds up really fast over the course of the year. So thank you guys so much for listening in. We are going to skip learning Christianese this week because Eddie has brought Ooh. us some treats. Eddie is known here around the staff as being the master of snacks, and he has brought us some special treats that he's going to mm-hmm. uh, send our way. So gonna- shared life experience. We're going to be tasting tasty Asian treats together. So oh, <laughs> I have to participate in this? Uh, oh, yes. you, you get to participate in this. Especially because it's all on like video now. This is great. So these are like... I, I went through the cream I store. I love Asian people. I do not love Asian snacks. No, you, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll just make we'll you try one. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Make you try just one. a little bit. I, I, am, I brought like I am, a handful of I things. am cock Asian, yeah. which means, <laughs> so what is cock? You put cock <laughs> in cracks and in seams to block. So as a cock Asian, I'm blocking Careful. Asian food. If kid okay. listeners. All right, I, so I have a plethora of, yeah. of things for us to try. It's really hard to work around the whole gluten-free thing. With you, but I think I found some stuff. Okay. So I picked some safe things. These are the, <laughs> what I was like, is that? These are things that I grew up with as a kid. But okay. we'll start with pick this. Your, yeah, pick your favorite. We'll um, make him try that one. This this is Bacchus D, like the Greek that god looks of like wine. A medicine. It, yeah, this is an energy drink. Uh, right. I'm not drinking that. It's <laughs> a little sample. It's okay. just really sweet. Eddie, Eduardo. Yeah. I am a food snob. I, uh-huh. I'm a self-proclaimed food stop. I'm high maintenance. They you call me a, princess on the mission field. I know, we but do. you have a you have a strong gag reflex. It's okay, fine. what is in that? Am I gonna oh die? Oh my gosh, it's, it's like, like Mountain Dew. No, it looks it is like the urine. color of Mountain Dew. Uh-huh. It's the color of pee. It's super sweet. Here, you can look at the bottle first if you want to take a look at that, Stephanie. Okay. All right, it's good. It's just really sweet. Think of like Red Bull Asian okay, stuff. I cannot read this. My eye, my eyes are too. It's not in like Chinese. It's not kind of like a like an energy drink. Yeah, that's it. It's that's like a it. It's just an energy drink. Think of like monsters and all that stuff. And it's a small amount, so you shouldn't all get right. worked by that. But you want to give it a you want to give it a try here, boss. <laughs> Cheers. 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 <laughs> mm. <It> stinks. <laughs> How's that, Steph? Oh, it's like juice. See? Actually, not it's bad. Fine. Yeah, oh, look okay. at that. Oh, it's, okay. it's gonna be terrible. I don't know. <laughs> it actually tastes like really, really diluted church punch. Church. Mm-hmm. Pu- oh, see, we always had the mm-hmm. red stuff, or like a flat soda from like Costco or Smart and Final. That was like syrup. Mm-hmm. You just mix it with water. That was that was church. <laughs> All right, this is an Asian pear. It's oh. also known as an apple pear. Oh, that uh, good. but it is like the taste of a pear with the consistency of an apple. Mm. Okay. It's yes. like the best of both. Super sweet, really light, crispy. Oh yeah, get that in the microphone right there. Kelly's mouth is watering. Okay, oh. if you're listening in your car, feel free to shut this off. Well, no, yeah. see, they can they can watch. Uh, go to yeah, the YouTube no channel. Theological help. We're gonna enjoy some snacks here, Good for the heart and soul yeah. right there. <laughs> okay, this is delicious. Sure, too. this is life so experiences. Good. Asian pears, folks. I love me some Asian pears. Yeah, see, highly recommend. Guys, this is the joy in life mm. right there. So those those are the two that I can leave you with. We have these delightful shrimp cracker chips. Oh, that we too can, crunchy. We can save, save for another day. For all of my fellow people who hate eating sounds, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna save you from that. You guys woo. have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much for joining us, Eddie. <laughs>